It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Joe Johnson against Smart. Right of the lane. Backing him in. Turns, finds Larkin, resets Joe. Now the right side, face up. Now backing down Larkin. Spin dribble, baseline, fade away. Good for Joe Johnson. He's got 18 points. Wade out to Dragic in the corner. Johnson for three. Johnson, another one. 25 for Joe Johnson. 15 points here in this fourth period. And Joe gives Miami a 96-89 lead with 46 seconds left to go in this game. Oh, Joe Johnson has been huge for the Heat. Welcome to a special edition Locked on Jazz Jazz have made a free agent signing Joe Johnson, a two-year, $22 million deal, according to David Aldridge. Uh, Let's walk through this one together in this special edition of Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, What have the Jazz been looking for? They wanted wing depth, and they wanted positional versatility. So that's the first thing they wanted. Joe Johnson at 6'7", 240, not quite the athlete he was when he was the came into the league in uh, 2001, but he can play both the three, or if you go small, uh, he can play the four. Uh, maybe most importantly uh, for the Jazz, what, they, what it does is the Jazz very much like Joe Ingles, but the feeling on Joe Ingles was it's all right if he's your fourth wing, but when he becomes your third wing, I think that becomes a little bit of a problem uh, for how, where the Jazz uh, stood. So they wanted to add some depth in that position, and they go ahead and add Joe Johnson tonight, a two-year, $22 million deal. So the first part of it was what the Jazz were looking for. Luel Dang's going to be walking around a four-year, $80 million. Jared Dudley they met with right away and talked to, and Joe Johnson was really the next one on the list more than Solomon Hill. Uh, but the Jazz went about this a little clandestine. Let me give you the backstory on how this came about. Uh, the Jazz did their work and made the phone calls to each and every uh, person out there, all the agents. And when they got to Joe Johnson, uh, they just checked in. Hey, here's what we're doing. Would you be interested? And very pleasingly, what they found out is absolutely uh they were interested that Joe Johnson, at this stage of his career, having played uh, since 2001 with, with the experience that he's had 15 years in this league, was not at a point where he needed to lead his team any longer. That the idea of being part of a team in a leadership role uh, was very much of interest to him. And that uh, what the Jazz were doing, uh, it, you know, 
was something that interests him and he wanted to be a part of after the kind of disastrous years in Brooklyn, uh, the exciting last end of the year he had in Miami where he was very good. And so from that point, the Jazz stayed in communication with Joe Johnson. Free agency went on. Uh, the Jazz went about their things, but Johnson was in connection the whole time. And the Jazz have solidified that deal to a two-year, uh, $22 million deal, according to David Aldridge. Uh, the second thing that I've talked about a lot uh, on various shows and various things is the Jazz had to make a fundamental philosophical decision about what they were going to do as a franchise. So you could bring in someone like Lou Dang at a four-year $80 million, but he's taking someone's starting spot, and you have to figure out, do you believe that his that level of uh, is going – of, of play is, is going to take away from the development of the other guys or whether or not, uh, and whether that's worth it. Uh, Deng may have been. I mean, he had great experience, things of that nature. But in the case of Joe Johnson, you have a guy who doesn't restrict the development of any of your players. He adds a depth and an experience and, uh, gives you, uh, some ver- positional versatility and late game experience. I mean, this is one of the better, uh, late game players out there. Uh, and he had a fabulous year in the set when he went back to Miami uh, last year. 52% shooting from the field. He shot a lot, too, by the way. He wasn't like he was he got bashful. He was uh, shooting 11 times a game in 32 minutes. Uh, shot 42% from three. So career 37% three-point shooter. Over the last five years, he's shot 39, 38, 40, 36, and 38% from three. He's, he's a bona fide three-point shooter. Uh, he is a decent passer, decent rebounder. Uh, you know, this is not Joe Johnson in his prime at 20, 25, 22, 22 points a game that he was in Atlanta. This is a veteran, uh, experienced Joe Johnson that gives them guys who've been there and done that before. We, we talked all last year about the fact that the Jazz have play, had players that had not done what they've been doing before. Rodney Hood had never started. Rudy Gobert had never started. Half the guys come off the Neto had never was a rookie. Lyles was a rookie. It's the exact opposite next year. You start George Hill, he started before. If Joe Johnson is your starting small forward with Hayward dropping the two, or if Johnson comes off the bench with your second unit, uh, these are all things that every single one of these guys have done before. This is just really changes um, who the Jazz are as, as a roster. Uh, and, and what he is. Let's let's dig in a little bit more on Joe Johnson. I have done some of this uh, preparation um, here. Uh, the Jazz, by the way, still have, um, you know, I think uh, $19 million of uh, cap room to do things. I, I don't, I frankly don't know if the extension for favors uh, can happen. I think that maybe there's a point here in the process where Derek uh, is watching the money that's going on uh, around, and, and that suddenly uh, seems a little less uh, likely. But let's dig into some of the secondary-level stats with Joe Johnson. Some of this gets pretty interesting. Let's let's just go with the easy stuff first off. You're, we, you, you want shooting, uh, think some things of that nature, um, and this guy – can, can shoot the rock. He puts he puts the ball in the hole. Uh, last year, uh, catch and shoot, he was 39, 40% really from three on catch and shoots. Uh, was able to, you know, got solid good looks uh, all throughout the year. Uh, particularly in Miami, he then was knocking them down at a much better rate. 
you look at his shot chart, and it's it's more fun to look at his shot chart uh, just for Miami than for Brooklyn. But if we look for the whole season in fairness and kind of look at where he shot and what he did, uh, some of those numbers are appealing as well. 44% from the right corner, 39% uh, from the left corner. I like this one. His angle left three is uh, 40%. Remember, Gordon is predominantly an angle uh, right three-point shooter uh, for him. Now, uh, some of the other ones you look at is just, uh, you know, late-game stuff, which is such a need for us. He's just been one of the better late-game players over the years. I was talking to Tim Roy of the Warriors the other day, and we talked about Joe a little bit, and his comment was, you know, you just start getting into it. There's, You know, I start looking around, there's, you know, 10 guys in the league, I'm, I might put in my top 10 guys late in the game to go get me a bucket. Uh, that's that's a great help for Gordon Hayward uh, and Rodney Hood. And you, know, you can close the games with Joe at the three or the four. Here's some of the more interesting stuff, though. For the season, uh, actually, this is just with Miami last year. In the half court, he was in the 85th percentile in efficiency, shooting 50%. Uh, as a pick-and-roll ball handler, he had 84 possessions as a pick-and-roll ball handler uh, and was and shot 55%, was in the 78th percentile. Still, Iso Joe was pretty darn good when he needed to be last year. He posted up uh, a little bit in Miami at 97 percentile, shooting 55, making 55%. So suddenly you just see have another real offensive weapon and went unguarded on the catch-and-shoot in Miami last year, 69% effective field goal percent uh, also pretty good shooter off the dribble I mean, he in Miami last year to close the year in Miami he, he was he was really he was really a terrific player now if you go and look at some of the Brooklyn numbers the year before you know they're not as good uh, and that Brooklyn situation it's hard to tell uh, you know what you want to take out of that but it's worth taking a look at because his last full year uh, there's is you know it's worth taking a look at. Let's just be honest. Not everything's gravy on this guy. He's, he's 35 years old. Um, he's, he's, you know, not the, the stud star that he once was. Uh, but if you, again, you look at him in uh, that period of time, his spot-up shooting in that year in Brooklyn, so two years ago, 86 percentile league according to Synergy at 58%. Post-ups were at 66 percentile. His isolation was not as good. Pick-and-roll ball handling was very good. I mean, at 261 plays in the pick and roll in Brooklyn uh, two years ago, and then you go back to last year in Miami, he's very good. So you've added a, another pick and roll ball handler. You've added a guy who can play the three and the four. You've add, you really, you really have got everything you need and you're asking for here with what the Jazz wanted. Uh, and you haven't busted the salary structure. You've given him two years, and he's a lot better than Solomon Hill. You know, he, he he's a bona fide, legit player who at one point in time was a star in this league uh, and has made over $200 million in his career. So he is looking for a situation where he can have an impact, get his time, and, uh, you know, and, and do what he – do what he does, score buckets, but in a way that helps his team. I think it'll be really interesting uh, to see how Quinn uses him. I think the motion and the movement will help him. Uh, he he does he does a lot of things and can do and play it. And so, just to review it, when you look at the way these things went for the Jazz, uh, the the goal coming into the year was to add a wing depth who could play with versatility. 
Uh, again, the Jazz do believe they may not need him to, that Hayward could play the four. Uh, frankly, Joe Johnson can play the four. They may not. Now they have enough wings that they can start doing those kind of things. Uh, the next, and now the other piece was continuing the development of the guys while adding veterans around them. You've added George Hill, you've added Joe Johnson, and you don't have to be done that yet. I mean, the Jazz can have uh, as much as $18 million of cap room still if they need it or to use for extensions. So the Jazz signed Joe Johnson to a two-year, $22 million deal. This has been a special immediate reaction. Locked On Jazz podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feet every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.